Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And are another week, another um, crazy week for us. We wonder how you did in this first week of the new year. Wow, what a what a amazing thing we've had out in the West and Salt Lake City and Utah area with weather this week. My goodness, we've had a lot of snow and a lot of cold. Wow. It was uh, in my hometown, it was 29 below zero night before last. That's Montpelier, Idaho. And uh, we were 12 below zero up in Park City. And it's just been freezing. And in addition to this huge pile of snow, it's going to be a crazy week now with rain. Well, there's wow. your there's your weather report from Linda. No kidding. Well, that's the big news for this first year of Jan- first week of January. Well, before we get into our theme for the week, which is technology and kids or kids and technology, we think it's the number one issue facing parents around the world. Uh, but before we get into that, we should just be a little personal and mention that. Uh, Wow, we're exhausted, Linda. We've had six. We've had our son and daughter-in-law and their six kids with us at our house for the last eight days, and we are about ready to lay down and hibernate. I mean, parenting (laughs) is a job for younger people. Wow. But we've had so much fun with them. Honestly, they have six little kids, including a newborn, and before that, we were with four uh, older children and their parents from Phoenix. So before that, we were at, in Phoenix with them. And then before that, we were in California with uh, this family of six kids. And so it's been a month, really, that we've been enjoying this amazing experience of parenting close up and personal again. And you forget, you forget how hard it is. Wow. Busy, busy, busy holiday times. But, you know, this this topic for today on kids and technology is really personal to us right now, not only because we've been speaking and talking and writing about it quite steadily for the last two or three weeks, but also because these kids, these 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 are little kids we've had in our house. The oldest one's 11, but they go down to a brand new baby. And I'm telling you, all of them have what you might call an addiction to screens large and small <laughs> well maybe not the baby but <laughs> but they're happy even that three-year-old's happy to get a hold of a phone um it really is we've had a really interesting call with some people this week who are professionals in the social media world and uh it's been such a fascinating um discussion we were on for almost two hours right um, well, we were with, we yeah we were doing our homework because of some of the writing we're doing, and we were we were on a conference call with people who make their living in social media. Most of them are designing social media and marketing social media and figuring out the next phases of social media. And so we were really quizzing them on what what is this? What is happening? Why are why, why among parents, when surveys are done and you say, what is the thing you worry about most? Why is the number one answer? I'm worried about my kids uh, and technology. I'm worried about what technology and social media is doing to my children. That's the number one concern of parents in the United States today. And I think in most other developed countries of the world as well. 
And so we were really trying to get a handle on it and get to the bottom of it. And it seems that it seems, well, I mean, look, let's start out with the big question. What is your approach as a parent to the question of, of your children? And, and essentially there's sort of three camps that emerge. There's, there's families who basically embrace technology and social media and, and every form of the electronic age that we live in. And these are families that might have, you know, 12 iPods around the house, along with four or five computers, along with uh, everyone having a smartphone and all the apps and all of the social media. And the kids are on Snapchat and the adults are on Instagram or whatever combination it is. And when you talk to parents in that camp, they're essentially saying, hey, this is this is the this is our world. This is our future. And, and you know, trying to, to stop it would be like trying to, to slow down the Missouri River in its course or whatever. And, and so there's that camp. Then there's the second one, which I think most church parents are probably in, which is the moderate, the moderation or balance camp. Well, and not just church parents. I mean, obviously all parents who believe in moderation and things, uh, that's, that's their um, way of approaching it. In, in other, other words, words, trying to have yeah. a limit, having having limits, trying to figure out what those limits should be, trying to figure out how to enforce those limits, trying to figure out if those limits should change as kids get older, and on and on and on. And then the third one, obviously, is the camp of abstinence. We're just not going to deal with this. We're not going to have our kids on social media. We're not going to have our kids have smartphones. We were talking to one couple the other day, said all our grandkids, all of our family has a rule. We allow dumb phones, but no smartphones, no social media. We just want a kid to have a little old fashioned flip phone so he can call if he has to call and he can text if he has to text, but we're, we're, we're out of it. We don't want to be in it at all. And, and you have to ask yourself, which of those camps are you in? And how's it working out for you? And how's it working out for your family? Boy, it's so personal with each family. And we have nine children, as most of you know, and they are all across the board on this. I mean, we have one family that just adores the Internet. Um, the dad is a techie, uh, worked in Silicon Valley and so on. And they love their gadgets and and they do a fine job with it. I think uh, I'm not particularly worried. They have all kinds of checks and balances. They know exactly uh, their, where their teenagers are all the time, but they also check their, it's, that's, this is tiresome. They check their twi uh, tweets and um, their texts and so on every night to see what's going on. And they have found some problems doing that and have, corrected in well, the bud. Well, the, the thing that's interesting, if you're going to be in the middle camp, if you're going to be a moderating, limiting parent where you're not going to exclude technology or social media, but you're going to monitor it and try to, to limit it, the problem there is that you then have to become pretty adept at technology yourself. You either need some kind of monitoring program for your for your kids or you need an app that allows you to control their apps you need you need various you need to know what's going on and to be pretty techie yourself to really be effective and of course it's it makes you makes me smile because there are a lot of parents out there who 
think they're monitoring their kids' exposure to the internet, and, and it turns out that the kids know vastly more than the parents do, and anything the parents are doing, the kids are just getting right around it. Right, and <laughs> and also grandparents can fall into this. Honestly, this has been the funniest Christmas. We have uh, kids living all over the world, and so we really do most of our shopping on Amazon because we have Prime, and they send it free, and it's there in two days, and it's so much easier they have wish lists uh, on the computer on Amazon so that I know what they want. I'm not wasting my uh, time trying to get something that they don't want or never use. Anyway, um, but this time I happened to be with this little family um, before Christmas. And I said, okay, let's sit down and see what, what we can do for Christmas for you guys. I need you to write out a wish list and so on. Anyway, so I fell into a hole. The oldest who loves social media. I mean, he's only 11. He does, he's not doing social media, but he's do, doing games and stuff like that. He, His parents are very re restrictive on spending time on games. They're more worried about the time that is spent on screen rather than the outside playing. Anyway, so he said, I just want to Kindle. I just want to Kindle really, really bad. And boy, they've really gone down in price. And so I thought, man, that's great. This is a reader. This guy is such a great reader. This is the best thing I could do for him. So we, we ordered up that Kindle. And then after the order was gone and it was on its way, he said, you know, the best part of that Kindle is that you can get games on it. <laughs> and I said, oh, my gosh, you're kidding. Really? You were buying him a reading tool. And I you're, did. You're See, so you got to know. you got to be. And then another little kid wanted uh, Prodigy, these little Prodigy characters now that they have math games. But there's codes on the things and so on. So they knew all about that. But I didn't realize that. That just means more screen time for them, although they're learning while they're doing that. So well, it's such a fine line. Well, let me. What we're going to try to do after the break, in two or three minutes from now, we're going to lay out some suggestions of things we think work and we and things we think don't work. But uh, let's just explore a little. How you know, a lot of parents say, "Well, you know, it's just like TV. It's like an addiction to TV. You've just got to limit the time they can watch or whatever." And apparently, that's really a mistake. It comes down to so many more things. Um, this is addictive behavior because the internet is infinite and it's active. It's not passive. Kids are, are getting involved. One, one of these experts we were on with the other day said, if you want to compare uh, technology addiction to another addiction, don't compare it to TV, compare it to gambling because it's an active thing that you get into and you can't stop. And, and then, of course, it gets into the whole social media thing and the potential for bullying and the potential for escaping into an alternative reality where kids basically lose track of time and place and everything else. And and it's and adults, too. I mean, so many adults have oh, said to us, so I'm, huge. I can't help my kids because it's me that's addicted and I I'll sit down and I'll, I'll, I'll get on the computer and I'll get on social media or I'll get on whatever I'm doing and, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll look at my watch and, and three hours has passed. I, I don't even know where the time has gone. Well, know? I've done that even just working on something. You know, you just think, what? It's three hours since I sat down here. You can totally get lost. It is such an amazing experience. And, and with kids, a lot of times it's uh, this one expert calls it, F-O-M, FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear, fear of, of missing, missing out. out. 
where kids literally and adults again too we're not just talking about kids have to check their 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 facebook or their their snapchat or their instagram or even their email or their texts every few minutes they can't go to the bathroom without taking their phone to check uh, what's going on this it's, and it's crazy when you think about it and try to analyze it. What, what am I going to miss out on in the next five minutes? But this FOMO, fear of missing out, affects our kids and affects us. And I think we mentioned just briefly, because we're in an LDS world here, Latter-day Saint um, experience of missionaries going out. And often that is the biggest problem with missionaries. They're on their social media all the time and to dive into a world where they have that no more and they have no idea you know, what her, their friends are doing, it's really a major, it's a much different thing now than it used to be. Because and, what, and what we've been learning is that this is this is an actual thing that affects kids' brains. So there, there are some interesting analogies where you compare it to, to drug addiction or to pornography addiction in the sense that it actually alters kids' brains. And and gives them this short attention span where they can no longer read a book or even a chapter of a book or even a page of a book because they're used to these quick little hitting things. And, and it's like, and they maintain friendships through their social media, but it's like a friendship being maintained the same way you maintain an artificial plant. So there's a lot to think about. Let's take a quick break and when we come back, for what it's worth, we'll give you some of the thoughts we've had on maybe how this problem can be dealt with. Be back in a minute. Iyer's on the road. Parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. You know, Linda, we used to, uh, one thing that we used to laugh about years ago um, because we travel so much and we think there's so much to be learned by, you know, experiencing other cultures and so on. And, and we met some people once who said, well, why do you, why do you guys travel? Because you don't really have to go anywhere. You can just go to Disneyland and they have those little villages where you can see all the other countries <laughs> of the world. And we thought, boy, oh boy, is that a funny perspective? But now it's interesting it's progressed another step, and, and a lot of people, a lot of kids, as well as a lot of adults, live in a world of virtual reality where they not, not only don't have to travel, they don't have to leave their house, they don't have to leave their room, and they think they're experiencing the real world, but in fact, what they're doing is buffering themselves from the real world, and, and that's where a lot of parents we talk to, they're just so concerned, how do I get my kids out to play ball, how do I get them out to explore how do i get them out to run around and some are going to really remarkable lengths to to do this one of these experts we we're on the phone with who works in social media had just taken his kids on a on a and is tra like a traveling homeschool and they'd been on a ship traveling a for sailing, a year a sailing yeah and their main objective was to get kids away from technology and from the internet now not everyone can do something that drastic. Another one said, well, I'm going to do the same thing with a motorhome. I just need to get my kids. I, I need, it's like we need to break them of the habits they're in. And the only way is cold turkey. And we're going to just remove them from it. 
But that seems a little drastic. It seems well, a little desperate. It seems impossible for most parents who have a nine to five job, unless you're working from home on your computer and you have access um, while you're there. But that's kind of naughty to have the parents <laughs> online. I wonder how they did that. I don't know. But we did take our kids up to Oregon one summer when they were all home. And this was before the Internet problem but boy i think that there were a couple of summers when we were up there most of the summer building a log, log cabin together i think that was the most bonding experience that we've ever had with our kids because they were ours instead of somebody else's and but that's not always possible either so there are ways that you can do that in your own home you just have to think about how much do we want these kids and how much monitoring do i need to do both of our children with teenagers are monitoring uh, texts and things that are going back and forth with kids. And I just saw an advertisement on TV the other day that there's an app <laughs> for that. And uh, you can check with them. And it's pretty amazing um, what what you can do to keep track of what your kids are doing. Well, and we're not speaking to you as, as techies or as experts, but as conceptual thinkers and as fellow parents trying to get to the bottom of this. And let me just say, Linda, I think Every well, let me let me preface this by saying, as we travel around and talk to people, there's not one answer that works for all families. There's not one no. size fits all. But I will say this: the parents who have thought this through and come up with their own strategy, whether it's abstinence or whether it's some kind of moderation with limits and and with monitoring, or whether it's full immersion, but with some control and some awareness of everything that's going on, it's not so much that there's one right or wrong answer, because all kids are different and uh, everyone happens to, um, you know, everyone happens to be in a different situation. And so the main thing is to have a strategy. I would say, wouldn't you agree, Linda, that the families that are struggling most are the ones that have not thought it through and have no strategy at all. They're just sort of letting it happen to them. It's just flowing over them. They're they're not they're not in charge. They don't have any proactive approach. And and I think that a proactive approach really has to involve at least three things. Number one, there are ways to control and monitor what children are viewing. One of the new ones that's coming along, and a lot of you listeners will know more about this than I will but they're controls that actually happen in your router, in your Wi-Fi router at your house. You can now get routers that will shut down at certain times. So they're not on during dinner. They're not on during homework time. They're only on for a specified period of the day. And so instead of saying to the kids, you can only do this for one hour or whatever, the router controls it. It just goes out and they can only do it during the time it's on. That's the only time they can be on there. So you need some kind, number one, you need some kind of controls or monitoring and, and um, you need to sort that out. Let me just add before you go on to the next one that you also um, can control Xbox with that apparently. Or we just talked to parents who said, you know, I've said, when you get all your homework done, all your piano practicing done, and home from soccer, and you're laid your study, stuff out for tomorrow, then you can get on. And and you have the controls. They can't sneak into a room somewhere and do yeah. it. Yeah. Num number two. So number one is, you know, some kind of control using technology to control technology. Number two, you need, parents need to really have discussions with their children about the pros and cons of 
everything connected to the internet, particularly social media. And we need to respect our kids, especially the ones who are old enough to sort of brainstorm about this type of thing and, and ask, what is your opinion? What, what, is, what is good and bad about Facebook? What is good and bad about Snapchat? What is good and bad about Instagram? What is good and bad about you know, you being on the, on the computer for X number of hours a day or on your phone, what, what is good and bad about a smartphone? And you really draw the kids into thinking about the pros and cons and, and educate them on the dangers. It's easy to find the articles that show how excessive technology use actually affects the physical makeup of your brain and get kids involved in this so it's not just a parent laying down the lawn the kid doesn't know why yeah i've said i said on the call the other day we need to reason with our children and not just have this another top-down law and they they don't know why and they're just resenting you for it and so on you really need to talk through the dangers and the advantages of having the internet in your house and the third the third thing that i think it has to be a part of every parental strategy is to emphasize the positive things about technology and about what's available online and and know where the really great sites are. I mean, for, for those that are LDS, the the LDS.org side and, and so many uh, of the videos the church produces, so many of the things that you can see online are so fantastic. And, and we need to... You know, that's the offense. It's like if we're going to use these tools, let's let's consume the best of what's out there and let's contribute to the best. A lot of a lot of well-intended people and even kids as well as adults have a blog site or they have a, a social media account where they're trying to do good things. They're trying to spread uh, ideas that work. They're trying to to spread media that they like and that uplifts. And so it's almost like it's an opportunity to teach kids a kind of discernment. And the, the, the parents I really respect have actually done things like, okay, let's, let's look at a couple of things on the, the computer screen. And let's look first at this side or at this little video or at this and very, very positive things, very uplifting things. And then saying to these kids down as young as six or seven years old, how does that make you feel? Or when you play this little game, how does that make you feel? And then contrasting that with how things make them feel that are not uplifting, that are, and I'm not suggesting you expose kids to things that are objectionable, but get them to where they have a power of discernment and where you can say, if you come across something online that makes you feel dark, that makes you feel a negative way, that's your sign to get away from that. And that's the kind of discernment that will serve that child well for the rest of his life. And, you know, we don't give children enough credit for knowing that, for feeling what's right and wrong. We saw a movie last week um, that was absolutely amazing. It's called Lion, about a little boy in India that got lost. And he ran into all kinds of different characters. And these one, this one couple that found him said oh you're just perfect for what we need and so on and he got the feeling right away I need to get out of here 
And it was really interesting to see. It was kids, only five. Yeah, you kids know. have a natural power of discernment, but adults have to help them cultivate that. Of course, that. Yeah. yeah. And that's the best thing you can do with your kids is sit down and reason with them about this because it's a fight all the time. Every time I walk in the door of a house of one of our kids, um, they're with their arms up. Can I have your phone? Can I have your phone? Can I play on your phone? And now I've learned to say, go ask your mother. Well, especially <laughs> in the homes where they're very, very restrictive with technology. And that and that's the problem with the total abstinence approach. I mean, if you say to your kids, we're not going to have screen time, we're not going to have any any uh, Internet, we're not going to have any texting. You can't you can't be on Snapchat or Instagram. The more we restrict the more it's it's like it's like one one of the people on the call the other day was saying my mom would not let me have candy she thought it was poison and when i finally got into middle school and i had money to buy lunch with every day i didn't buy lunch i just bought candy yeah she went I, across I, I developed such a craving for it and so we have to think these things through carefully now let us just sort of wrap up by by you know suggesting a whole paradigm we need as adults we need to view technology and information and the internet and all the things that go with it as a positive that can be a tremendous service to our church to our family to everything that we care about but we have to understand that it's a very very powerful tool and that we have to deal with it in ways that are sensible and that actually make sense when we when we have our reunion when we have our month at bear lake in the summer and the kids come in and out and they're there for parts of that time there's no wi-fi now some of the adults can get a hot spot and do the work they have to do but there's no the kids can't come in and play a game the kids can't come in and download a movie the kids can't come in and check their their social media because there's no Wi-Fi and it's absolutely wonderful. Those kids, because they don't have that option, get outside and swim and, and play and, and do things that we all want our kids to do. Well, let me just follow up with that. I mean, I learned my lesson on these Christmas presents for these five kids. Um, after those first two bloopers that I mentioned earlier, um, the I sat down with the mother and said, what do you think? What do you think Lila would like? And, and she said, oh, let's get her uh, some rollerblades and let's get this next kid a pogo stick and let's get this next kid, a, you know, a razor that he can a scooter that it can scoot around on in the neighborhood. And then there we go. There we go. Now we got what she really wanted. But it really is true that those kids really need to be taught. You need to talk this through with your kids. Uh, everybody's different, as Richard said earlier. Every, every family is different. We have. Um, a little 12 year old that we witnessed getting her first phone uh, at Christmas time. And you would not believe the joy on that child's face, but of course with limits, but then there's an, there's other things you can do that um, we have a little granddaughter that's soon going to be going blind. It looks like, and they get her a little phone on her arm. So that if she gets lost, she can just call whoever and through voice and people will know where she is. So here's a parting shot. Um, uh, one of the people on the call the other day said he was with his bishop having an interview. And, and one of the questions he was asked was, do you have any addictions? And he said very seriously, I'm addicted to my smartphone. And the bishop sort of laughed and said, ha ha, yeah, aren't we all? And went right on. We need to treat this seriously. Yeah. This is a serious addiction, particularly for our children. 
we haven't given you a lot of technological advice today, but here's my challenge. Here's our challenge to you. Take it seriously. Do your own research. Decide what your strategy is going to be with regard to your kids and technology and social media. Talk to other people you respect formulate a strategy and really stick to it, modify it as you need to, but don't be one of these parents who just says, well, I'm just going to let it all happen and we'll see how it comes out. I don't think many do that, but we wish you luck on this and we will be talking again next week on Ayers on the Road. See you soon. Have a great week. Bye-bye. 